welcome, welcome, welcome to that. Um, y'all know what? <laughs> this episode was gonna be hella long, so I had to split things up. Um, <laughs> so one part will be like you know, a regular show. And then the second part is going to be my Emmy predictions because I have finally, like, caught up on everything. And I'm like, okay, I can finally give, like, an honest opinion on some things, on some things, because there are still some um, (laughs) categories that I was like, I don't know. But, yes, so in part one, which is this episode, I will be reviewing... Oh my goodness, <laughs> the protege till death. There's clickbait, and then in box office news, we talk about the success of Candyman, and then in music news, we talking about the cultural reset that's occurring, honey. Okay, and that's all I'm gonna say on that. I'm not gonna get into it right now because you're gonna have to go ahead and listen to the to the segment to understand why I said what I said. <sighs> okay, <laughs> so go ahead, sit back, relax, and enjoy part one. And then you know, part two is kind of that Sunday afternoon or you know Sunday morning kind of kind of tea and crumpets tea and and croissants or coffee and croissant it's kind of that kind of feel so yeah let's get on into it so in music news and if I sound a little stuffy it's because I've been crying for the past like hour and a half um, <laughs> I love music. I love all types of music. Um, just like I like all types of film. When I was growing up, um, my mom and dad had this extensive record collection, and it was more on my mom's side. Um, she had this extensive record collection of all types of music. She loved show tunes, she loved. Uh, rock and roll, classic rock and roll. Um, my dad was a huge Queen fan, but my mom, you know, of course she loved Queen as well, but she loved Journey, um, like Ario Speedwagon, Pink Floyd, um, and of course classic R&B. And there was some country sprinkled in every once in a while so I grew up with this eclectic taste in music and had heard ABBA before as well I don't think she had an ABBA album but I had heard ABBA before um, before I even watched Muriel's Wedding But after seeing Muriel's Wedding, of course I was an ABBA fan after that, or ABBA fan after that. I say ABBA. I know overseas they say ABBA, and I'm like, I don't know. They, being ABBA, are releasing a whole ass album of new material in November. They also are having this 
amazing live show to celebrate the release of this album that has been 40 years, 40 years in the making. And it is titled Voyage. And if you know them, you know that they're, I mean, they have hits upon hits upon hits upon hits, baby. And just watching this um, special that they just had on YouTube, they literally get 60 million listens across the various, you know, uh, music platforms. 60 million listens a month. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know how big this was. I knew it was big. I knew the movement behind ABBA is big. Okay, I'm a part of it. I knew, you know, I knew that. But hearing numbers like that, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, But they've been away for 40 years. Now, everybody's been doing their own thing, you know, um... Benny and Bjorn, they do a lot of soundtrack work. Um, and like a month or so ago, um, you know, when I reviewed In the Heights, I said how, well, that was over a month. That was like two months. Um, I said how my favorite musical is Chess. Well, they were behind Chess along with Tim Rice. And so I've been following them my whole life. You know, I just didn't know. Um, the reason, um, this, this episode is titled cultural, cultural reset is because that's what's happening here. Um, (laughs) these, I'm sorry, but, but Abba, they, they killed the pop scene, honey. They did. They did. They did. Um, and people get large and in charge in the pop scene. You know, that happens. We had, you know, so many people. But you can't deny what they've been able to do. Okay? And to be able to maintain this huge fan base and grow it from, you know, just word of mouth or, you know, a musical here or a musical there. And it just to grow it in such a way has, it's the only other artist that I see this happening with has been Aaliyah whose music is now available to stream 20 years after her passing. And I think it's interesting that the numbers are speaking here. The years of silence from these artists. And then all of a sudden you had, like I said, Aaliyah, 20 years. Um, Now you have ABBA, 40 years. 
And I know, and they were getting questions like, why did it take so long? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Benny and Bourne, as well as Barry Hankerson, they all said the same thing. They were like, it's time. It is time for this music to be here. And say what you want about Barry. I don't have any opinion about it. I'm kind of in this vein of self where things will work out as they should no matter how painful those things may be or the process may be things are going to be or going to work out as they should and with Aaliyah's arrival or return I have noticed certain um, individuals in the music scene and I will say no names because I have no time for, for the tomfoolery they are trying very hard to suppress anyone who is celebrating in her resurgence the problem is that's not going to work this time See, it worked all those years ago and over the past, you know, 20 years, it's worked. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because we as a people are more open to what her music really was about. If we as a people are more open to what ABBA's music is about and the energy both artists bring to the table into the stratosphere I think we're just in a different space to where A. you're not going to tell us what to do and then B. we're going to be vocal about you not telling us what to do okay and what to listen to what to watch what not to listen to what not to watch like gone are those days <laughs> we want all the content and if it vibes with us and it makes us and it takes us to another you know, realm of of living and being happy and like actually working things out instead of all this fighting and all of this all of this mess. If that music is needed to get us to another space and to give us this reset that I'm sorry to say, especially R and B has been needing for quite Sometime, quite sometime, and damn sure the pop scene, then that's what needs to happen. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't even know that Alba was putting out music. I didn't, I, I didn't. I was like, you know, scrolling through YouTube, I do my thing on YouTube where I find new content. And I want to share that content and do all of the things. But it's like, <laughs> I saw that. I said, what? And I'm like, is it just some, you know, old unreleased music? No, this is completely new music. Aaliyah 
has an album coming out in September. I think it's in like mid-September. I'm not a fan of these collaborators on it. I'm not. There's no women. They're all guys. And it's like Drake and like Lil Wayne and like these people. And I'm like, okay. I would have loved to hear a Megan Thee Stallion a Saweetie even, a Normani, hello, a Janet Jackson, like a Lizzo, a Cardi B. Like, these are the people I wanted to be on that album. But for some reason, it's all guys, and I, I don't understand why. But okay. I'm still gonna listen to the album, I'm still gonna grab it. Um, like physically go get a, a CD of this album so that shows my age and I don't care but um, yes I am very excited about where the music is going um, and, and the music coming some music that I do want that I don't know if it's I, I don't know what happened but Lisa Left Eye Lopez It's her 20th year anniversary of being gone as well. And I really would want to hear some of her raps. Because she was iconic. Her flow was sickening. And we didn't get that either. You know? So, I don't know. I'd love to hear music about her. So... Yeah, but yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I was in, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I was crying, oh my gosh, I've been bawling, and I bawled like this when Aaliyah came out, when that, when that information dropped, I was just like, oh my god, you know, I was a mess, so, oh, both of these artists have, like, oh my gosh, even before they, you know, well, I was just been there, but like Aaliyah, even before she passed, I was a huge Leah fan, like huge. And so, yeah, this this whole this is amazing. Um, I'm so happy. I <laughs> I'm just about to go and get my tissue and drink some tea because I was bawling, y'all. Oh my gosh! But yes. Abba's new stuff, new music hits in November. You know I'm going to review it and have fun. And then Aaliyah's new music drops mid-September, well, mid this month. say it's it's on Netflix okay let me just say that y'all know I love Petty okay and at first I was not gonna watch the show I was not but then I watched like the trailer and I was just like oh okay and Netflix wrong because they be always in my email talking about well we think you'll like this and it's always Petty stuff 
it is always petty stuff like documentaries, movies, TV shows. It's all petty, which is so wrong. Y'all algorithm is messed up Netflix because <laughs> they know me so well. Um, <laughs> This one though, listen, if y'all is out here being messy, if y'all out here got whole ass families and your ass is on Tinder, Grinder, any of the errs, hooking up, building these whole ass relationships and other families with people, yo, karma, karma, okay? That's what this show is about, okay? That's the premise, all right? Karma. That's, that is, and it's so freaking petty. Um, it had me in my emotions so many times because, no, I have not been catfished, but I have been gaslit, and that is so fun, isn't it? Oh, my God, to all my gaslight, gaslighted people out there. Isn't it hilarious? It is so fun. It's so fun. Are you picking up my sarcasm because it sucks? Um, <laughs> so, okay, we are following the Brewers, and why, what, what's going on with the Brewers? Like, what, what, what's happening? What's, what's happening with them? You know, um, the husband gets seducted, we don't know why, um, Adrian Grenier, you know what? I was like, he's so, oh my God, he's so cute. Oh, and I'm going to leave it at that. But he plays Nick Brewer. He has been abducted, okay? Um, I can tell you that. Zoe Kazan, oh, ignorant ass. I love her so much. She's in one of my favorite movies, romantic movies, called In Your Eyes. She's so good in that. Um, but she plays Pia Brewer. <sighs> she is just firing on all the wrong syllables like almost all or cylinders almost at all the wrong times and then Betty Gabriel plays um Sophie Brewer <sighs> we love Betty don't we we do we do oh my god um they really head and steer this whole thing they are the heads of this cast and I love how Everybody, though, in the in the series has their own um, their own lane. Okay, they have their like. Of course, they have their own character, but they have a specific job to do. Okay, and they all excel. Every last one of them excel. I was just like, wow, like. Wow. Did I I just it uh, girl what? And then another standout to me is um Phoenix Ray who plays Rashawn Amir. He's the detective. Um each episode follows a specific narrative. So like the first one is the sister. The um second episode follows the detective. 
third is the wife and and now I'm gonna leave it at that you know because then it like starts to spoil things and I swear I don't want to spoil anything for you um y'all do yourself a solid and go ahead and watch this show it is so petty and like it keeps you guessing to the final frame and then even then you're gonna guess because you're just like what okay what so y'all wasn't gonna tie that up for us like you know we didn't deserve for the petty to be like completely finished okay so (laughs) i love this show i did i had a really good time um Netflix, you wrong for that. Quit, quit coming in my inbox talking about, hey, we just dropped this show and we think it'd be a great fit for you because y'all wrong, okay? No, you weren't wrong in this specific situation, but <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely check it out if you have the time. Um, it's it's kind of a quick watch. I. The only way that I'll like binge binge something is if each episode is like 30 minutes or less. Um, Anything over that, I'm doing like one or two episodes at a time. So Um, that's just me. If that's not your situation, if you are a binger that can just be like, I'm going to knock this out in an afternoon slash evening go ahead and (laughs) because it is bingeable i'm not gonna lie um there's eight episodes definitely check it out i loved it um i'm gonna give it a solid 4.8 that's how much i loved it there were some bits that i was just like "Mm, mm," but not many (laughs) netflix y'all wrong y'all wrong was able to watch uh, The Protégé starring Maggie Q as Anna, Samuel L. Jackson as Moody, and Michael Keaton as Rembrandt Hunty. It is directed by Martin Campbell and written by um, Richard Rank. (laughs) I was like, that last name is going to throw me. Um, the premise is a uh, rescued as a child by the legendary assassin Moody. Anna is the world's most skilled contract killer. However, when Moody is brutally killed, she vows revenge for the man who taught her everything she knows. Um, that's the tagline. I need them to work on that. Shorten it. Shorten it. Uh, <laughs> but I actually liked this movie I enjoyed I enjoyed it there were bits to it that I was just like "Mm," but we'll get into that later um first and foremost Maggie Q Miss Anna who played Miss Anna you you the bomb oh yes oh yes she did that she did that I was rooting for her I connected with her i wanted to know what was going on with her like honey i was like i was completely there for this character um her ups and downs and things of that nature um 
the action was was really good uh <laughs> and it spans all over Europe like they were all over Europe like they was uh, in Bucharest they was in London uh, back in Bucharest like they was all over the place and there were other spaces and I was just like what is going on so but yes I, I really enjoyed it um, enjoyed her character I enjoyed the action um, it was real you know how sometimes the you know the fight scenes and stuff you can tell they on wires and all of the things and this didn't look like and either they was they used those wires hella well but I don't think in some of those high sequences that that was wire work um it might have been but they just did it that well and she executed that that well okay um I also liked um her interactions with other folks in the film um but it was like a mixed bag because here's where the film kind of lost its way and footing they had her interacting so much with other characters that it muddied her storyline and I understand that, you know, each character, well, in a perfect world, in a, in a movie or in a story, that each character is going to bring out, you know, certain aspects um, of the protagonist. I get that. I understand that. But what happened here is it was like the storyline started competing for space and you could feel that. And I was just like, oh no, you know, I, I really, I, I want to know about Moody, yeah, I want to know about Rembrandt, sure, but I don't want to know so much that it literally is like taking me out of the movie because I really am not invested in them as much as I am invested in Anna. And so another situation is that the a lot of these like action films have fallen into this trope of having all of the action um, up front to you know get your attention kind of thing, and that that didn't work here. Um, and I don't I'm not gonna give anything away, but there are certain events that happen that come later in the story that should have happened in the very beginning of the story. And then that way we really could solidify Anna as the central character. But by not doing that, we kind of center on Moody as the main character when that is not the story's intention and so again it muddies the effect of the film and the impact of the film and so what i i do suggest for you know writers out there especially of the action genre 
tell the story allow it to breathe and then whoever is editing like I and whoever is trying to orchestrate how this should go and trying to fit a formula the problem is we've seen this before and we've seen it in better films and so and it was better executed so (laughs) try to break the mold and do something different um this um film comes from millennium um, media and um, I'm actually reviewing two of their films this week so I love what they're doing I think you know their camera work is really really good and it was the film was good it's just when it derailed <laughs> which was pretty much from the beginning um, it it derailed um, the only person to bring it back to center was Maggie Maggie's um Anna um the reason why John Wick worked so well is because it started out as a human story and it bloomed from there this tried to do that but it it didn't work you know because it it split the focus um onto you know different people and all it was just too much it was too much but yes should you watch the movie yes definitely check it out it's a great you know uh evening flick if you just want to see some action some bang bang some you know kill them get them done this the movie for you just be aware that it is an hour and 44 minutes and it is it's not on course like it's it's kind of scattered so Yes, but it's 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 decent. I gave it a solid three point six um, out of five. If you don't know, now you know. I love a good horror movie. <laughs> And I'm not, like, you know, I'm not that type of horror movie fan that is like, I gotta have gore and all, all, all. like, movies like Hostel and things like that. I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to see part two or three of those. I've seen the first and I'm good. Like, even Saw, like, I I don't tend to go for those type of movies, even though I've watched them. It takes a special type of gore to get me to be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, one film that I did like uh, that came out that was kind of, wasn't no kind of, it was gore was the remake of Suspiria. Now, I really did like that one. I was like, ooh, yes, girl, because of the, you know, the mythicism and the occultism going on in it. Um, I do like watching those type of horror movies about, you know, the occults and things like that. I do say my prayers prior and afterwards. And then, of course, I watch cartoons. Um, <laughs> directly afterwards. You know, to get my mind back right, you know. Um, <laughs> so, 
I'm a part of this A24 film group and I I don't tend to post anything um, because it's a fandom and so I just you know you know how I feel about fandoms and um, but I do like you know they'll somebody will pop in and, and, and drop some some tea or some you know some gem that they have found and someone dropped a link about the love witch from 2016 it is available to watch everywhere for free which you know I'm all about that um, it's on Pluto, it's on uh, Plex, it's on Voodoo, uh, Kanapi, Crackle, Roku. Um, now those are for free. Then you get into like Prime and Apple and Venmo. They want to, you know, charge you money. We ain't got time for that. We ain't got time for that. So... It stars Samantha Robinson, um, Gian Keys, Laura Waddell, and it is directed by Anna Biller. Um, I didn't know what to expect out of this, okay? The cover looks like, you know, something from the 1960s and 70s when horror really started to you know, come to the forefront and be a a major contender for our dollars. Um, so it put me in mind of like the Vincent Price era of that time, you know, kind of just Elvira-ish kind of tease. I know she was more 80s, but you know, it, you know, that's what the cover gives me. Um, perfect. Perfect makeup okay so going into this the makeup in this movie is flawless okay I don't know what they was using if they was using Anastasia if they was using some Mac I don't know what they was using but the makeup was it was it was phenomenal and the film, you're not, I'm not sure if it happens, you know, <laughs> nowadays, it seemed more like it was set in like the same, very Stepford-wide kind of era kind of thing. But what I loved about it, you know, outside of the set pieces and the wardrobe, and they filmed this on Kodak film and it looks so good like oh my god i'm like oh i have to look this woman up i have to look up miss anna because the girl did that she wrote this as well and so what we follow is a beautiful and seductive witch played by robinson who concocts spells and potions to make men fall in love with her that's the premise y'all that's the premise something that I just you know derived from the film I'm not going to give away any spoilers 
or anything like that. But um, Elaine, who is the witch, you know, in question here, um, she she's got some issues. She's got some um, childhood traumas that she has not um, she has not attended to. And instead of going to see a therapist, which back in the day, back then, you know that was a no-no, right? Instead of really trying to fix that, um, she goes in all into the occult child. And when I say she go all in, she go all in. And uh, that is a narrative that... I think it's so important to look at um, and to explore because (laughs) when you're operating from that kind of space, you know, very damaged and broken space, shenanigans are afoot, okay? And that's what happens in this movie. I mean, like there's this there's this scene where you know that is brought to the forefront you know this this trauma of hers and I was like well no wonder no wonder you know she's behaving in this way and making the choices that she's making because of that trauma and I love how the film it was literally like in the midpoint of the film and I'm like this is constructed really really well This is a well-constructed film because that was the midpoint. And that's how they used to make film. Like, especially during that time, it was a triggering moment that we've been building to. And then when we get there, it's just downhill after that. You know, you just know some bad about to pop off, somebody about to get hurt. You know, and so when it happens, they call that the inciting incident, right? But like I said, you know, how modern film is like, well, you got to have it in the first 10, 20 minutes. Well, that didn't happen here, but it was okay that it didn't happen because there was just so much involved in the story. It was just constructed beautifully. I am just, I was like, whoa, whoa, there's some stuff in it that I was just like, mm-mm, see, don't be out here playing with that stuff, don't, listen, any of y'all listening to me right now and y'all out here playing with that, that magic and that, oh, don't you, don't you, do, don't you play with that stuff, don't do it. <laughs> you leave that to other people that know what they doing, don't be out here with that, that, uh uh-uh. Because you won't pop off something. See, you know what? <laughs> I was like, don't be, uh-uh. You know, we don't go to too many movies and too many books. All that stuff is out here about these people out here clowning with this with this foolery. And we don't have time for it. So, this was like a blast from the past. Because I've never seen it. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. I probably will be watching this again. Um, closer to Halloween though because you know I love horror movies y'all this was right up my alley I was sitting there 
Um, I tried a new recipe, a cookie recipe. It's peanut butter and oatmeal. And it had like five ingredients. There was no like all this other eat my cookies, drinking my iced tea, looking I'm like, this is this right up my alley. Definitely check it out. Um if you watch it on, you know, like I said, like Plex and or Crackle or things like that, um it does have commercials. So just be aware of that. Or you know, you can rent it. Um it's kind of steep. It's like four to five dollars to rent um on other services, but either way, baby is getting her coins, so I ain't mad at her. But baby, that makeup and that wardrobe, mm, mm. I was like, I need to get in touch with y'all because y'all did that. Y'all did that. Oh my goodness. Amazing. But yes, I would have to give this one. There was some things that I was just like, come on, man. Come on. Predictable. You know what I mean? So for that, I do have to ding it. But... I'm not going to ding it too much. I'm going to give it a 4.6 out of 5. So Candyman, the official sequel to the 1990s film of the same name, um, came in at number one at the box office with $22.5 million in receipts. And box office receipts, box office receipts, listen, making it. The uh, it, it making it number one, yes, but also making um, Nia Acosta the first black woman filmmaker to open a movie at number one. Nia Acosta, honey. Um, that I, I. That makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. Like, y'all have no idea. Um, me, myself, I'm a, you know, little filmmaker, you know, doing my little thing. Um, I'll get into that, you know, later on because there's some things coming and I'm just like, yes. But seeing her success, um, her steering of the film, her navigating through everything. I mean, every, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele this. But then there was a huge chunk of us that was like, hey, yo, he didn't direct it. He helped with the money and the financing and, you know, getting it out because he's just that good at, you know, producing films. But I felt like people were sidelining her and I respect 
you know, my colleagues that were like, hey, no, no, like, we're going to talk about Neil. We're not talking about all that other stuff. And I also like how the the couple of um, entertainment um, publications that I read, you know, this morning, how they were like, you know, Nia DaCosta is the first black woman to do this. And I'm like, yes, this is what we're talking about. And then I wanted to also hit on the reviews of the film. I knew that this was going to be monumental, okay? When it first came out that she was going to be directing this, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. You know what I mean? And then I started, when it got closer to being released, the reviews start coming out. And you got people who either loved it or people who didn't, okay? And so you had, there was one particular um, reviewer who I absolutely love, um, who was a black woman, and she kind of went in on the film, and I just, you know, I don't, she didn't like it much, and I... I couldn't see the film in that lens, okay? I saw the film for what it was, and I also saw it as history in the making. Like, I knew this was going to come in number one, or close to it. Like, I knew it was going to do well. And when history is in the making, literally in the making you have to look at it through that lens and I think as reviewers we tend to get the logistics of a film and the thes of the film and the ins and outs of the film and things like that and I get it okay I I understand however when it's something like this you kind of have to take that hat off. You have to take that that critical hat off. You have to take the critical glasses off. And you have to look at what is presented because of it being this monumental occasion. Okay? So, Black Panther, I'm just going to bring that up. It is a really good film. It is. It is a really good film. Is it the best film ever? I wouldn't say that it's the best film ever. But what I will say is that it is historical. And it was historical when it came out, you know. So that's the vein I'm putting this film into because of what it's doing for the culture. This is what art is supposed to do for the culture. Either you love it or you hate it. That's true art. That's true art. Like, it's, it's not for everybody. Cool. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's true art. But is it redefining something? Is it opening up a lane for the culture? Yes. So this is just like Black Panther. It opened up them doors for all this other stuff. So is Candyman. Um, a film, some films leading up to Candyman that also kind of was opening the doors for Nia to do what she did. Hair. If you have not watched Hair, <laughs> not the musical, not the musical, even though the musical, you know, do what it do, do what it do. It's not one of my favorite musicals, actually. It's not. It's like, when people tend to like, base things off of like you know I think that was like based on Tale of Two Cities I, I kind of give you the side eye like I'm like just freak it make it Tale of the Two Cities stop it but anyway I'm, I'm digressing I need to get back on focus so it's on Hulu but it's about the hair movement with the black culture you know and black society and how you know, us doing all this stuff to our hair is like so horrific and it's like changed us. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, but it's films like that. It's films like that that open the door for Candyman to be as successful as it is because I'm looking at the reviews and I'm like, people went and showed up regardless of what y'all was out here saying. Okay. <laughs> They're like, well, first off, Candyman's a bomb. That's our movie. We love it. We're going to, we going to support it. And I'm here for it. So when it comes to reviewing films with some historical monumentum, like going on behind it, you've got to be careful. And <laughs> like I said, take that hat. And them glasses off. Take those lenses off. And just enjoy the film. Like, you kind of have to just err on the right side of things. And see it for what it is. Which is this huge success during a pandemic. (laughs) Or panoramic. Um... A huge success because if you banking, if you getting that twenty some million, that's the benchmark right now. That's the benchmark making that twenty some million. You're a success, okay? So bravo to everybody involved, Nia. I, we know we about to see you, girl. We about to see you because that the maneuvering going on in that film. There would, of course, there were things I didn't, I didn't like about it. Of course, you know it was. Not a perfect film, but did it do what it needed to do for the culture? Hell yes, and that's why I like that film that much. So, yes, Candyman is currently out in theaters only. Give it about 30 to 45 days. Um, now, this one actually will take the 30 to 45 because of how popular it was um, or is they're gonna they're gonna do the full thirty to forty five day movie theater run before it is available to rent. So that is that. Candyman is a bop. Respect, man. Just respect. 
I wanted to um, touch base real quick, real quick <laughs> about the state of, of movie theaters and what some movie theaters are trying to do to stay current and relevant and bringing the money in. Okay. Remember, remember when I said a couple weeks back, I kind of went in on the movie theater association and I was just like, hey, fix it. (laughs) Just like I did (laughs) with Warner. Um, and in it, I said that the movie theater directors and things like that, I was like, y'all gonna have to get into them offices. Y'all gonna have to have these meetings with, like, these big, big studios to get, get your, get their movies to your, to your space in a drive-in setting. Because, baby, we, uh uh-uh, absolutely not. It got to be something huge for us to get to this movie theater okay even then I'm in a hazmat suit you know and I'm not comfortable and I'm not really enjoying myself so mm, I'm not (laughs) that's my preference I would rather wait for something to come out at home before I go venture out like that because but if I said it, I said it, I said it. Center Lounge, which is a it's a big um, movie theater chain out here. They released a press statement Friday stating that they will actually have first run movies um, day of release at their drive-in locations which are available at all of their facilities listen see they got the memo they got the memo and they understood the assignment and the um, CEO said (laughs) this is not a time to shrink and pull back we are going head first into this and I was like I know that's right you know what that that so all these other little conglomerates out here all these movie theaters all of y'all big or small take note take note figure it out Figure out the long the logistics of everything and see Cine Lounge has been doing this but they didn't go public with it. They it was like the one that's literally like right down the street from me. They we were the test audience for it and it was super popular. I mean they this was the theater that had King Kong or Godzilla versus Kong the first weekend it came out like they had not just the first weekend they were like they had the um, the premiere there but it was a drive-in premiere so 
We were the test before they was going to either roll this out or not. And they're rolling it out. Like, they have already gotten everything done logistically and they like listen this is what it is and what Sin Lounge does is they also do a lot of classic movies or show a lot of classic movies um so it's kind of cool like it's a really good experience and it I like that. Like, I like going in. And it reminds me, like, of an Alamo Draft House, but not as expensive. <laughs> um, but it does, it, it gives you this ambiance. It's really nice. Um, but, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're like, you know what? F it. <laughs> we don't got the licenses to do it. We're doing it. This is what needs to happen. I mean, and who knows if this is here forever, it's here forever. All I know is that uh <laughs> that little drive-in movie theater that they have, oh honey, it's packed. It's it's packed every single day. It's packed. <laughs> it's sold out. So I I'm not really seeing the sense in saying that drive-ins are not going to work um, when this one has been successful for mm, I want to say almost a year now um, the data that I've personally like seen and then also witnessed how successful this venture has been doesn't add up to the whole thing of or the whole thesis that drive-ins nope they are hella popular you can get your crew together you can go get your little get your little fun on you can go have fun um and watch a movie handle it like handle it you know what I mean so I like that. I like that. I like that they did that. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm also happy that like they are literally like five blocks from me. Now the blocks here are big as hell. <laughs> they are so big. <laughs> then the blocks of Omaha, Nebraska. I will say that. Um so they're like Oh, it's, you know, half a mile. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But it's completely different miles, like, distance-wise. It's so different. Because I remember I was like, I'm just going to walk over there. Girl. I was like, wait. <laughs> Hold up. Like, where the hell is this place at? Like, this is crazy. Like, duh. But, yeah, no, it's really... I'm so happy that they're doing this. Um... Uh, y'all other movie chains y'all better get it together and hook this stuff up I'm telling you because our landscape has shifted it has completely shifted and we don't really want to go back to pre-shift I'm telling you like you have so many people fighting against this like 
and we're not talking about that other stuff. What I'm talking about is like people not wanting to go back to the way things were prior to the first wave of this pandemic where we were constantly worked, we were tired, we were stressed out, we was all the things. And this happened and we just went, oh, I can work from home. I can actually have a life and enjoy a life. Like, I can do this, I can go hiking, I can go walking, I can like branch out and do things that make me feel better why would anybody want to go back to how that was I don't know um I don't I know I've had to shift and it makes some changes but they are really good changes I feel better about myself and like so I'm team A we gotta make amends and make do with yes with what we have but also make changes so we don't get back to that because that wasn't fun that wasn't fun Uh uh-uh like going to work for me from 8 30 to 5 o'clock and then getting home and just laying in the bed because I was like spiritually mentally and physically exhausted from a crappy job nope not going back to that not absolutely not so and I know I wasn't the only person out there doing that so it's like there's this like reawakening that's that's occurred and it's like hey y'all better y'all businesses better get with it you better get with it like I saw um you know like Nordstrom was talking about curbside don't you know pick up and blah 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 and I'm like oh my god we back to that We back to that. You know, Ralph's. Same thing. So, ugh. By the way, I love Ralph's. It reminds me of Baker's back home. So, ugh. I miss Baker's, but I just go to Ralph's and I'm like, yay! I'm back in Baker's. It's just not Baker's. So, but alright, y'all. Enough out of me. I'm rambling. But yes, kudos, Cine Lounge. I will be seeing you soon. So for the second uh, Millennium Media film to be reviewed this week, (laughs) uh, Till Death, which runs an hour and 28 minutes, it is a horror slash thriller, and it follows Emma, who is stuck in a stale marriage to Mark, is surprised when he whisks her way to their secluded lake house for a romantic evening on their 10th anniversary. And that's where I'll stop. <laughs> because the tagline kind of gives away things. And I'm like, what are you doing? Don't do that. So the film stars uh, Megan Fox as Emma. Eon Mackin as Mark. Emil Amin is in here. And um, it is directed by S.K. Dale and written by Jason Carvey. I loved this movie. I love 
smaller budget films, okay? I love these that get the job done. Um, one of my favorite, and I have brought this up so many times, uh, one of my favorite movies of 2018 was Upgrade. Oh my gosh, small budget, huge impact. And so that's what happened here. Um, I have not seen Megan do this type of work. I haven't, this is like her best work to date. Um, I have always liked her. I feel that, you know, Hollywood was trying to make her into, you know, okay. <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, I'm glad she did not, I'm glad she kind of recentered herself and, um, you know, now she's coming out the woodwork, you know, now she's taking these roles and knocking them out of the park. Okay. Um, little miss thing, like now she playing, Emma is a, you know, a quote unquote hot girl. Okay. Um, who has married a very wealthy man. Um, so that's what I feel like why their marriage is stale is because that's not her. You know what I mean? And so that's that's where like the film <laughs> does very well at. It excels at showing how much grit and like badassery that Megan has or that Emma has. Um but it's not in some like Oh my God, I didn't know she could take out 50 guys at once. You know, like, it's not that. It's not that. She's very smart. Um, you know, because she's... <laughs> look, I'd love to get into spoilers, but I really can't. What she is facing is... Not just, you know, fighting for her freedom, but she is literally fighting for her life. Because this marriage has, like tied her down to just some dead ass weight and so that is the premise of the movie it's like you know and the fact that they were able to like blow this up into like you know like an hour and 15 um hour and uh 20 or so minutes is amazing to me i and i, I will, i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say it Keep these stories simple. Unless it is some biopic, unless it is like some Matrix type of thing or like some world building thing like Dune, keep it simple. You don't have to have all this other stuff going on. And I did um, review, you know, earlier the protege. And I think by stuffing that film with all of these different narratives and storylines it tanked it. It, it it's it sunk the impact of it right this one 
excelled at keeping the storyline simple, staying on point, staying on brand. And it was just good. It was executed perfectly. Uh, the direction was flawless. The writing was flawless. The acting was flawless. I really, really enjoyed the movie. I did. Um, there was one moment, though, where I was just like, oh, God, why? Like, why did we just do that? You know? But. <laughs> It just could have ended there and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then I was told that, hey, you know, you got to have that huge climax. So that's that's why, you know, like <laughs> it was hilarious. But I did enjoy this movie. It is available to rent everywhere. Um, definitely check it out. I would say <sighs> go ahead and pay the money because it's good. It's good. It's not like gory either, like, which I love. Like, it's one of those horror movies. It is rated R, but it's one of those horror movies where it's not like blood, guts, gore everywhere. Oh, my God. You know, it's not. It's very, it's so not that. So, but yes, my rating is a 4.7 out of 5. Thank you for listening to part one of this week's Livy Corner. I enjoyed the protege. I just wish, you know, that they had just stuck to her. Like, oh my God, it's called the protege for a reason. And then till death, that was that was, that was my jam. It was my jam. Clickbait. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know Olivia loves the pate and they brought the pate so yes um, it, it was a good week it was a good week it was a good week yeah yeah I have some films that I've been needing to watch um, Vacation Friends is a huge hit for Hulu huge and so I was hoping to get that you know jammed into this episode and <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. I ran out of time. I ran out of time. Um, but yeah, I'm also, you know, still <laughs> making my way through Nine Perfect Strangers. Um, Lord have mercy. That show. Oh my goodness. So thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye.